0: I'm bouncing around.
1: That's, uh, that's, we're bouncing around all over the... Okay. This is our Scattershot show. All right.
0: <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Surely
1: Can't Be Serious podcast, discussing and debating the iconic and the forgotten of 80s and 90s pop culture with your co-hosts,
0: James D. Graves and Jason Colvin.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to part two of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, Coming to America versus Trading Places debate. I am here with my friend Jason Colvin.
0: How's everybody doing? Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you listened.
1: And just as an intro to this... We normally keep things family-friendly, and we will in this episode as well, but these two movies are chocked full of wonderful quotes, which we go over today, and many of which are filled with non-family-friendly language. We will continue to keep it family-friendly, but you might consider this a PG episode, nothing worse than you're going to see on television these days. But without further ado, here we go. Okay, one of the
0: things I wanted to bring up is... Similarly in both of these movies, mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy breaks the fourth wall.
1: Oh my gosh. And I don't know how many of his movies that he does it in, but he does it a lot. Certainly in the two movies that we're looking at, we know that he does it. So he does it after he gets arrested for, you know, bumping <laughs> into Dan Aykroyd and trying to give him his briefcase back. As the police car is about to pull away, he gives the camera a look. That's the breaking of the fourth wall, in case you didn't know that term. But he gives, he looks directly into the camera. My favorite, one of my
0: favorite moments in the whole movie where the The Duke brothers sit Billy Ray Valentine down at a table and they're explaining what they do, right? Commodities, right? They're like, Pork bellies, which is used to make bacon, which you might find in a bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich. (laughs) And then he looks at the camera like, These guys think I'm a complete idiot.
1: Yeah. And it happens again in Coming to America and our favorite scene, whatever you like. And she's,
0: bark like like a dog. dog.
1: Arf! Arf! And he turns and looks right at us. Too. This is really happening right now. That is now.
0: such a great way of bringing the audience <laughs> in on the joke, you know?
1: It's fantastic. A big dog. Wolf. How <laughs> would on one leg. <laughs> Scrawled in blood. What's it say? See you next Wednesday.
0: Okay. John Landis has a thing where he mentions this phrase called, See you next Wednesday. Yeah.
1: You hear it come up in our thriller episode. Absolutely. In the movie scene that is in the thriller video, that's the last little bit of dialogue you hear. It says, See you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday.
0: Right before our girl, Ola Ray walks out from Michael Jackson.
1: Yeah, but then... Again, you see it in American Werewolf in London, advertised as one of the porno movies. <laughs> um, you, you would have seen it in The Blues Brothers uh, on a big billboard that has like a big gorilla on it. His deal with gorillas, I don't know what, why. Yeah. Landis has another thing with gorillas. But then, of course, it comes up in Trading Places. It's on a poster in Ophelia's Wall. Right, yeah. And it says, directed by William Wyler and starring Laurence Olivier. <laughs> <laughs> So then again, it comes up, coming to America. It's a big poster on the subway wall. Right. So he chases Lisa down to apologize for not telling her the truth. She's frustrated at him. And as the train car comes to a stop, you see this giant poster on the wall. It's got this kind of space-looking woman on it, kind of a Barbarilla type of throwback. And then the name of the movie is See You Next Wednesday, starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. Yes, and Dan Aykroyd.
0: So I saw him talk about this, right? So the See You Next Wednesday thing, it's not just thrown into any movie arbitrarily. What he talked about was when he was a young guy, he wrote a script called See You Next Wednesday. Yeah. Anytime he cannibalizes anything from that script, he gives a nod to it.
1: Yeah, and that script, as I understand it, got him quite a few writing jobs. He struggled quite a while as a fledgling director. He actually, it's an interesting story, he decides he wants to be a director at eight years old after seeing The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and is just amazed at the graphics on it, loves the movie, goes home and says to his mom, who makes movies, how does that work? You know, he's just a little kid, and she's like, well, that's the director. From that moment on, he decides he wants to be a director. (laughs) And so at 16, instead of going to work at McDonald's like most kids do, he goes to work in the mailroom at 20th Century Fox Mm -hmm. and is just fascinated by it and meets some people. And then at some point, a couple of years later, he gets a call from a guy who's making the movie Kelly's Heroes which starts Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. he says if you can get out to Yugoslavia I might be able to get you a job on this movie I mean how promising is that yeah he's in he's in California he's 17 18 years old something like that and then, if you can get out to Yugoslavia yeah I might have a job for you right so what does he do he goes and gets his life savings which at that point is about 1200 bucks the tickets are 800 and he buys his own ticket But then he takes to his mom and says, hey, the the studio has offered me a job and is paying my way out to Yugoslavia and shows her the ticket that he bought. Uh And so she lets him go. And so he goes out there, he works on Kelly's Heroes, meets all these people, and he does a wide array of things, stuntman work, writing work, grunt work, for about 20, 30 movies out there over the course of a couple years before he comes back. And then he sits down for the, to be a part of the Directors Guild, you have, they have a test that you've got to take. And he kills it. He aces the test, but then they call him in and they're like, um, I'm sorry, you didn't graduate from high school. We can't allow you to be a part of the Director's Guild. Wow. And this is all before Schlock comes out. Uh-huh. So, yeah, his, his road was a hard road to get to where he was. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: Okay, and one more thing I wanted to mention before we move on. That subway station... Yes. ...with the See You Next Wednesday poster... Yes. ...as Akeem is chasing Lisa. You know, that subway station, and I'm, I'm going to mispronounce it, but it's the Hoyt Schurhorn subway station. Yeah, we're from
1: Oklahoma, not New York. Sorry, That's guys. right.
0: Sorry. That is where the Michael Jackson bad video
1: was filmed. Right there as well. Right. So we got a connection with Michael Jackson's bad video, a connection with Michael Jackson's thriller video, and then in another video that John Landis directed, the Michael Jackson video black or white, see you next Wednesday, is shown on the window, which Michael Jackson throws a garbage can through. And-
0: <laughs> in case you missed it, Episode one and two of the Shirley Can't Be Serious podcast covers
1: Michael Jackson. Yeah, Bad versus Thriller. And um, just as a side note on the coming to America, the other stars, uh, in addition to Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis, Mo Howard and James Brown. Nice. Yes.
0: It's. <laughs> <laughs> One hell of a day in my neighborhood.
1: So I don't know, should we talk about Eddie Murphy's the, the characters that he did on Saturday Night Live? Because they were fantastic. He of course did Buckwheat. Yes. Who's hilarious. For in all the wrong places, for he was then, of course, Mr. Robinson. And then he was Gumby. It. Gummy. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Um so here's something I I learned. There was an idea for a movie that they had called Purple Wheat, which was
0: <laughs>
1: Purple Wheat, which was the movie Purple Rain, except it was buckwheat and the prince part. <laughs> now that
0: I could see as a really funny
1: skit. I don't know yeah. about the movie, but Yeah, I'd watch the whole movie. <laughs> And so he's doing Saturday night live. he's done forty eight hours. It becomes a big hit, and then Nick he's like, "Nick, you should come host the show. We have shows all the time." Nick shows up, and the the story that they give the people is Nick was sick, like he had the flu. The fact is. Nick Nolte was drunk out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. Like he could not perform. And so, what ended up happening is they had Eddie Murphy be the host of the show. It's the only time that a cast member has been a host as wow. well. Wow. And he starts off the show with Live from New York. It's the Eddie Murphy show. And everybody's like, Whoa, what did he just do? Because that was not scripted that he'd say it like that. And it's live. Yeah. Ooh.
0: Let's talk just a moment before we move on too much. But So Billy Ray Valentine, super funny, but it is a version of Eddie Murphy. That character is basically a smart aleck version of Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I, I saw Eddie Murphy talking about it. When he wanted to do Coming to America, he wanted to play a character that wasn't himself. Right. So Prince Akeem is not really Eddie Murphy. I mean, you know, all
1: your parts of time, but Right.
0: Uh, Prince Hakim is like my favorite Eddie Murphy
1: character. He's well he's genuine. He's he's real, he's honest, he's a good he's got good morals. And you know, we talked about Prince and the Popper and Pygmalion being kind of the, the underlying stories for Trading Places. John Landis says coming to America is a Cinderella story which I completely disagree with it's not remotely Cinderella at all we got a prince who's being poor it's still the well, prince and the pauper story but it's not Lisa's story right? <laughs> it's not her story I mean right. she, it's not called I met a prince it's a different I sure. mean, perspective on it um but the the story actually was uh, <laughs> something that they say was Eddie Murphy's. Like Arsenio Hall said, yeah, Eddie Murphy wrote this on a pad. But it, actually, when the movie came out, there was some litigation that happened too. Uh, a guy named Art Buckwald, who is a humorist, had proposed a script several years earlier, eighty two or eighty three, I think, um, that was connected with John Landis, connected with Eddie Murphy, and was the idea of a prince from Africa coming to America. Yeah, and he sued and he won. Yeah, he won $900,000 was the verdict. $900,000. He got $150,000 and the attorneys got $750,000. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. They actually ended Freaking up... Freaking lawyers. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> don't trust them. Um, they ended up, you know, there was going to be an appeal, but they ended up settling before the appeal was finalized. So I don't know if that was what the final amount was, but that was what the original verdict was. Wow.
0: Just let
1: just let it shine through.
0: One of the characters that A. Murphy plays in Coming to America, the Barber, there's a couple things I want to
1: mention about the Barber. Yep. I'm bouncing around. That's I, that's we're bouncing around all over the this okay. is our scattershot okay. show.
0: Alright. <laughs> so he plays the barber, kind of the older barber. Number one, every piece of advice that this guy gives
1: yeah.
0: is spot on good advice. Yeah. So he tells him number one, he's like, I'm interested in meeting women. Right? Where yep. can I meet women? He's we've like,
1: been we've been to every bar in the, yeah. on the block.
0: He said, oh man, you don't want to go there. You want to go. Where's a good place? Oh, like community events, church. And then he says, hey, there's something going on called the black awareness thing down here at the community center at the church. Right? Well, it turns out that's where Hakeem meets Lisa. Then later, Hakeem comes back and he wants to get his uh, soul glow on. Right? <laughs> right? And the guy said, man, no, you don't want to do that. He goes, that's ridiculous. You don't want to do that. Just, you know, leave your normal hair. That's just
1: so (laughs) glue.
0: Later he comes back and asks him, he says, well, how do I get in with a woman? And the barber says, if you want to get in with a lady, how do you do it? You get in good with her father. Mm -hmm. And that's why he ends up going to McDowell. So every piece of advice he gets from him is is solid. Right. He also, this barber actually, when he's arguing with the different barbers and the different people in his his barbershop, they're talking about the greatest boxers of all time, right? And Saul, the old Jewish man played by Eddie Murphy, says, What about Rocky Marciano? And he says, There they go. There they go. Every time I bring up boxers, there's the one white guy in the room brings <laughs> up Rocky Marciano. He bit Joe Louis' his ass. That's right. He did whoop Joe Louis' ass. Joe Louis
1: was 75 years old when he fought. Frank Sinatra came in. I said, Frank, <laughs> <laughs> how old is Joe Louis? Man, <laughs> you ain't
0: never met Frank Sinatra. <laughs> 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 But Rocky Marciano was 28 when he fought Joe Lewis, and Joe Lewis was 37.
1: You know what Frank told me? He said, hey, Joe Lewis, 137 years old. Those guys are hilarious. They are. (laughs) Okay, so let me just, I'll I'll sidetrack on that. Coming to America, the beginning in Africa, in Zamunda, is hilarious from the get-go. I mean, you've got (laughs) (laughs) wipers. I mean, from that moment on, it's funny, funny, funny. It's nonstop funny. Then as soon as they get in New York, you've got this ridiculousness that happens with Jake the Body. You remember that? Yeah, Jake the Body. Yeah.
0: You dumb f***!
1: Yeah. What does dumb f*** mean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Body by Jake was big for about five minutes. It's hard to talk about these movies with keeping it clean. We can't the cut best, all the best lines. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, of course, they go into the barbershop after they've found their place to stay. And you, <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> who's next? <laughs> uh, let's talk about who's in the barber chair. Oh, okay, yeah. So in, in Coming to America, you've got a guy, a Oscar-winning actor, who has no lines and no action? He's just sitting there smiling. <laughs> his name is Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. Apparently, there was a scene that they filmed where uh, you know he's just a kid in the movie, and he's he says he tells the barber, "Hey, I'm sorry, I don't have any money to pay for my haircut." And the barber like cuts a <laughs> cuts a big chunk out of his hair. And if you look, you can tell it's fake hair that he's got on. Right. Yeah. I would have liked to see that scene in that movie too. That would have been that would have been funny.
0: Did we talk about the bag handlers from Trading
1: Places? Yeah, the bag handlers were the comedy writing team from SNL, uh, Franken and Davis. It was Al Franken and Tom Davis. And they they did a lot of comedy bits, but they weren't the original guys who were supposed to play this part. The original guys were Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis as the McKinsey Brothers. Right. Doug and Bob McKinsey. Take off, eh? Yeah. Yeah.
0: How many times are we going to say that in our podcast? I
1: hope every single time. <laughs> Both from SCTV fame. Uh, Dave Thomas was also one of the co writers with Dan Aykroyd for Spies Like Us, another oh, all right. John Landis movie.
0: That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but Steven Stucker is the gorilla handler. He's also Johnny from Airplane.
1: The. Funniest guy in airplane. I mean, the whole movie. Right? You know, we love it. But, right? But gosh, that guy's lines.
0: Rapunzel.
1: Speak pretty plain. Wheels. Big stripe. Like <laughs> a big make an approach or a
0: hat or a pterodactyl.
1: <laughs>
0: are we we're we about ready to talk about. I uh, have no
1: idea where we are. This is the scatter shot. Let's episode. keep going. <laughs> Yeah, you, you start with Trading Places since it was okay. first, okay?
0: So, here are my funniest moments. When Eddie Murphy's in the bathtub, uh-huh. and Coleman turns on the jacuzzi
1: for yes. him. Hey, hey, bubble, man. Say, man, when I was growing up, we wanted jacuzzi, we had to fight in the tub. <laughs> okay, so I'll shoot back with the other tub line from Coming to America. Father, it is not just that, it's everything. The cooking, the pampering, the, the dressing, the bathing. Actually, I'd rather enjoy the bathing, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, My fifth favorite line in Coming to America... Oha! It is my 21st birthday. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. WIPERS! (laughs) (laughs) So, my fourth favorite line from Trading Places. Yes. When the Duke brothers give the guy his Christmas bonus... Uh Uh-huh. And he says, here you go. I bet you thought we forgot about you. Here's your Christmas bonus. He hands him a $5 bill. $5? $5. Maybe I'll go to the movies by myself. <laughs> and then Porter goes, hey, half of that was from me.
1: Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they established at the beginning that those guys are jerks right off the bat. Yes. You know, they're leaving their mansion and everybody's like... Hello, Mr. Duke. Thank you, Mr. Duke. Hello, Mr. Duke. And they're just not. They don't even say anything to to anybody. Just it's all beneath them, right? And you kind of get the same thing with Dan Aykroyd. He's just, but he responds to people. But he's very much not looking at them. Morning. By the way, the first when he walks into Duke and Duke for the first time, and hands his coat and his uh, tie and gloves to the gentleman, and he says, "Hello, Mr. Winthorpe. Hello, Folsey. And then hands him his stuff. That's actually the producer of the movie. That's really whose cool. Whose real name is Holsey.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So Trading Places, first funny part for me is whenever Eddie Murphy is having the party at his house, and you have the, of course, absurd people taking women taking off their clothes and, and dancing around naked, and Dunham Elliot. <laughs> 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 he's, he's looking around and he's like nobody's looking at me now I'm drinking he's drinking the drinks he's having a good time he's kind of checking out the ladies <laughs> it's hilarious that
0: party scene at the very end when Eddie Murphy gets sick of everybody freeloading he comes up to the two guys that were going to beat him up in the cell and he's like yeah. he's like let's go you know and the guy's like man you are the most righteous and Eddie Murphy's like yeah right just get the
1: out of here so whenever whenever Eddie Murphy is in the car for the first time that whole scene is (laughs) hilarious we're gonna start you at $80,000 a year Mm $80,000? Excuse me, this is a practical joke right Brian? These guys are a couple of it's not appropriate but it's funny (laughs) (laughs) right What's my next move, man? The chauffeur doesn't say anything. Thank you, you've been helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's talking to when he's in, getting introduced to Randall and Mortimer. He's like, Morte, all right. <laughs> Randy, like Randy, Randy Jackson from the Jackson Five. <laughs> <By his legs. laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so. The other laugh out loud moment, I can't tell you who the actor is, but whenever, after Dan Aykroyd has been arrested, after Winthrop has been arrested, and he's getting bailed out, and his girlfriend is waiting for him, and the guy, like, move, the lady's falling asleep, and she's trying to push him off, and then the <laughs> yes. guy comes and sits down next to her, and says, is that your purse? <laughs> That's a nice purse. <laughs> I don't know who the actor is. I tried to figure out who that was. I can't can't tell you. <laughs> Just the smelly guy on the bench. And Clarence Beaks. Funny. Funny funny. Paul Gleason as the jerk. He plays the jerk beautifully. I mean in in the best movies. Like he's the jerk guy in Breakfast Club. He's the jerk guy in Die Hard. He's the jerk guy in this movie. I mean he's awesome. Awesome. Here's an interesting another you know let's go shot let's go shot baby all right so Clarence Beaks, that part was originally supposed to go to C Gordon Liddy which historically is an interesting kind of guy. He was, I don't want to take away from everything he's done, but the interesting things about him are he was a part of the Richard Nixon campaign, managed that campaign, and then ultimately got caught up in the Watergate scandal and got sentenced to 20 years for that. Uh, and I found out later on, he served like 102 days in solitary confinement. I can't even, Wow. I can't, I don't know how that works, but he was an amazing guy whatever the politics are, an incredible human being accomplishing things, obviously. But then Jimmy Carter lets him out after five years in the interest of justice. And, you know, Landis, it's obvious. N- number one, it's obvious that Landis is about as scattershot as this episode is, right? <laughs> he is. He, had, he just goes all over the place. I mean, I've had clients who talk like that <laughs> who've been deemed incompetent. <laughs> <cry>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, he's obviously a very liberal guy. Sigurd Liddy is this very conservative guy, and so Landis wants him to play the part of Clarence Beeks, the ultimate jerk guy in the movie, right? Right, right, right. So he ends up not being able to do it, but they still manage to get him in. As Paul Gleason is sitting in the train car before the other people getting on come in, he's reading a book, and the book is Will, the autobiography of Seagordon Liddy. That's interesting. You know... When you mentioned Paul Gleason, yeah. they wanted him to reprise
0: the part of Clarence Beaks in Coming to America.
1: Yeah.
0: But he was busy shooting this little film. You, know, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's called Die Hard.
1: Oh, I seem to remember something about that. Agent Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> no. What is it? Dwayne?
0: Dwayne T... Robinson. I can't remember his name in that. I think that may be right. If okay. only we had this IMDb device really that quick. would
1: tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of the line. Oh, you're in charge. From <laughs> up here, it look like you're in charge of check. Jack- I'm not the guy who just got <laughs> <up> <laughs> on national <laughs> <your little> TV.
0: <laughs> Dwayne T. Robinson. You were right. For the win. Yay, way to go. Yes.
1: Looks like we're going to have to get some new FBI guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, my second favorite line in Trading Places. Dan Aykroyd has tried to commit suicide, and anyway, they rescue him, bring him back to his house, and he is in his original house, and of course, Coleman's there helping nursing back to health. Right. When he comes to, he's like, oh, Coleman, it was just this terrible dream. And it was all because of this terrible, awful Negro. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy is standing there, and he's like, hey, wait a What? And then when he sees him, he jumps out of bed and starts choking him and he's holding down and he's shaking banging his head on the floor. It was the jokes, it was the jokes. <laughs> okay, I like the
1: I, I like it when they're looking at Clarence Beaks inside of the ape suit. Yeah. You know, let him it's Christmas, let them have their fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the best line in Trading Places is at the very last scene.
1: <laughs> looking good, Billy Ray! Feeling good, Louis! All right, so Coming to America, best lines. This one is a good one. James Earl Jones delivers the line after the Queen's speech, delivers the line of, There's a very fine line between love and nausea. And it's not necessarily funny because of his delivery, but because of her reaction. She's got a bunch of great reactions throughout this movie.
0: He's funny. I mean, James Earl Jones has some hilarious lines in there.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to jump up to my number two, but Eddie Murphy says, I'm a man who has never tied his own shoes. He's like, Wrong. You're a prince who has never tied your own shoes. And he says, I tied my own shoes once. It is an overrated experience. So funny. Yeah. My fourth favorite line from Coming to America is the bonus scene at the very end of the movie where the Jewish guy Saul is telling his joke, right? Oh my gosh.
1: Can I tell the joke?
0: Go, yeah. Okay. Man walks into a restaurant. (laughs) Are you listening? Are you (laughs) listening?
1: No, we'll just play that joke because I can't do a juice.
0: Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Stop right there. Listen. Stop right there a minute. Man goes into a restaurant. You listening? A man goes into a restaurant. He sits down, he's having a bowl of soup. He says to the waiter, "Waiter, come, taste the soup. The waiter says, is there something wrong with the soup? He says, taste the soup. He says, is there something wrong with the soup? Is the soup too hot? He says, will you taste the soup? It's wrong, is the soup too cold? Will you just taste the soup? All right, I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon? Aha. Uh 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 (laughs) I still quote that. What do you know from funny, you bastard?
1: (laughs) Next favorite part is whenever he comes out and he starts singing. She's your queen to me. Oh my gosh. Number one, it's just hilarious that it's happening, but then you get some of those lines in there. Free from infection? <laughs> I I need more. What are you talking about? When he's singing? So, yeah, when the guy, when he's singing, she's your queen. Uh, <laughs> she's perfection. She's free from infection. <laughs> oh,
0: that's hilarious. That, that was improv'd by that guy.
1: Really? Yes. Oh,
0: he killed it. Yes. Oh
1: my gosh, it's hilarious. My wife's birthday the other
0: day, and when we lit the candles, I was singing,
1: She's your queen! <laughs> there's some great... I mean, they're, they're, it's funny, funny throughout, and there's some real laugh out loud moments. Okay, so when the landlord is taking him up to the apartment, <laughs> telling him about, you know, it's only got one window that faces a brick wall, or rented it out to a blind man, they open it up, and the tape's on the floor, and he goes, Damn shame what they did to that dog. <laughs>
0: Or well, when they walk by the bathroom, he's like, here's the bathroom, you gotta share it. It's got an insect problem, but you boys from Africa, you're used to that. Then
1: <laughs> he comes out of the window. Good you know, morning, my neighbors! Yes. I f- you! Yes! Yes! F*** you, too! <laughs>
0: Oh, and that, and that other scene in the barbershop when he's talking about meeting Martin Luther King.
1: I'm walking down the street, minding my own business, just walking off, feeling good. I walk around the corner, man woke up, hit me in my chest, right? I fall on the ground,
0: right? And I look up, it's Dr. Martin Luther King. I said, Dr. King. He said, Oops, I thought you were somebody else. <laughs> man, you ain't never met Martin Luther King. <laughs>
1: And then you've got the whole scene where they're in the bar and all of the women that come in. And the first one that they meet, and she's so smiley. And then she's, I have a secret.
0: I <laughs> worship the devil. Ooh. <laughs> my name is Teaches, and I'm the best. All the DJs want to feel my
1: breath.
0: <laughs> the worst one of all is that one lady who's like, I need a man to satisfy me Shot Some guys do an hour Hour and a half Shot (laughs) I need more That's it
1: And then Arsenio Hall Playing the preacher With the girls Is uh, It's bordering on that Is it too inappropriate To be funny But man is it funny (laughs) His Uh,
0: dad was actually a preacher So that's why he did that character so
1: well Oh, He nailed it man It's perfect Sexual chocolate You'll remember him as Joe the Policeman from What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama, Mr. Randy (laughs) Lawson. And then that whole bit, it's so awkward, it's so wonderfully awkward and hilarious at the same time. And then, sexy chocolate, stomp, stomp, sexy chocolate, drops the mic,
0: does the point, walks off stage. And the best when he comes up, he has, he has to pick up the microphone from the ground. <laughs> Let's give it again. Another round of applause for Mr. Randy Watson. <laughs> Good and terrible. Actually, when when Randy Watson performs Greatest Love of All... You have to be like an 80's music fan to really get this uh-huh. But he mixes up the lyrics Yes He screws up the lines
1: Oh yeah, I think that's only a you getting that kind of joke <laughs> Yeah, I miss that one completely
0: My favorite scene in the entire movie though Is the Duke's Brothers scene And it's, it's so satisfying to see That come full circle They're bums on the street After what happened in Trading Places I think it's interesting that these movies sort of live in the same universe Mortimer We're back
1: so when Prince Akeem starts, I have recently been placed in charge of garbage, is <laughs> Flirtation. When you think of garbage, think of Akeem. So this is interesting. So Coming to America is the first time that Eddie Murphy is playing a romantic lead part. You know, mm-hmm. this is, he, all of the movies that he's done, this is the first time that he's got a love interest in the movie. And... I think he nails it. I mean, he's he's charming, he's lovable, you know, he's goofy at the beginning, which creates a sympathy for him. He, he does pull it off. I'm,
0: I'm totally agreeing with you. Are we moving into now the comments and criticisms on how we feel about the movies? Sure.
1: All Unless right. you get more funny lines from Coming to I America. I
0: mean, I could do this all day, but yeah. So Coming to America does a great job. It's actually, in my opinion, it's very, very funny, the first half. And then it kind of moves into this romance, and I'm not critical of it because he pulls it off.
1: Oh, yeah. He absolutely pulls it off, the scene on the swing. And, by the way, we're about to leave funny lines and move it into something else. But you just made me remember the part that is also hilarious, which is, king or not, I'll break my foot off. anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently, John Amos ad-libbed that line. You know, it was, it was not quite so, you know, rough. But I was love like, he thought it needed more punch.
0: Cleo McDowell is awesome. He's one of my favorite characters in that movie.
1: Just real quick, let's yeah. touch on Daryl, too, because Daryl is such a good jerk. You know, we talked about knowing that the Dukes are bad guys from the beginning with because they refuse to talk to anybody that's beneath them. The exact same thing is happening with Daryl, who walks in and, you know, Cleo's kissing his butt and. Grabs the shake that's supposed to go to the little kid. He <laughs> hey, likes strawberry, yeah. <laughs> right? And then he's—I mean—he just a jerk, you know. Wearing clothes must be a new experience. Bet you guys play games like chase the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: So coming to America, I think is a is a great comedy. I don't have anything bad to say about this movie. I enjoy yeah. this movie. Yeah, I, I told you before that the character of Prince Akeem is my favorite Eddie Murphy character. Maybe between that and Shrek, yeah. or that and Donkey, he's a gentleman. He's noble. He, uh, he gets mad at Samuel L. Jackson for using obscenities, which is kind of funny. But it turns into a romantic comedy that that I think works. I think it's got heart. I yeah. think it you want to see them end up together. It, it, I think it, as a movie, it works.
1: The bit at the end where he's chasing her down and the... People on the subway are watching them go back and forth is a classic John Landis bit. And he had done it just a bit before with the dog. He saw the dog watching back and forth between the events unfolding between Cleo and uh, the king and queen. And, um, it's just, it's a neat, it's a neat bit that he does, but I love that kind of romantic where they're like, what's going to happen? They're, 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 they're the audience. It's right. a great, great little bit. <laughs> what? I just, there's so many funny lines. Like I <laughs> when, when Simmy has, has had his money come and taken down and he goes to send the telegram, that lady who's at the telegram office is hilarious. I yeah. need to look her up again okay? because she's, she's hysterical. And then she's like. You sure three hundred thousand is enough? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you think I should ask for more? Why not? <laughs> as
0: long as you ask him, why don't we go for a cool million?
1: You do not think that would be too much? Nah. Yeah, it's
0: hilarious. Let's go opinion now. Okay. Are we ready to do opinion? Yeah, sure, go. Okay. In my opinion, I enjoy I enjoy trading places more. Yeah. Okay. I think it's it's a little more absurd. It's a little more lighthearted. It's funny from beginning to end. I think Coming to America is brilliantly funny at the beginning and and then sort of fades into this romance. But it works, and so I enjoy the movie a lot. So if I put them on the scales... I'm tipping a little more towards trading places.
1: I see now it's kinda of interesting because I have like the reverse perception of your thing. I don't think that trading places is funny from beginning to end. I like you, love both movies, love watching them both. Yeah. But you've got a lot of buildup that happens on trading places. Like I didn't realize how long the buildup was. I think, it, you know, my memory was just of Jamie Lee Curtis's naked boobies. And so I had forgotten. I mean, it's an hour into the movie before that happens. And so you've got this kind of long buildup. That's not funny. It's just a setup. Um, and so the difference I think is, with coming to America, yes, it is funny from beginning to end. I mean, even I mean even at the point that the that the king and queen are showing up, it's still funny. Y'all a little late for the Christmas pageant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. Is that velvet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just never it never stops being funny throughout the movie. Now, Trading Places, I just it's not quite as funny. It's a good story, and I like the way it plays out, but. I think it's just kind of a little absurd because it's supposed to be more realistic, but it's a little absurd. Number one, first absurd thing is Clarence Beeks in as the the security expert saying, you know, put your hand on the guy's right shoulder, put your other hand in his left pocket. I mean, how dumb? What I mean, would anybody actually believe that? That's right. kind of ridiculous. Those giant red X's on the dollars. Yeah, and then after that, like Eddie Murphy is instantly possessive and angry about his possessions and then he's instantly on the cover of the wall street journal i mean it's just i mean that's just this is happening in a course of a couple of days i mean it's just a little bit too crazy. What it's absurd. John Landis needed a little more like of a montage scene where we're sitting we're and oh okay, these are the things that are happening as time passes, but instead it's just like boom it happens, boom it happens, and you're just like, eh, I can't believe this is happening that fast. That's where I am. I, on the tipping of the scales, I gotta go with coming to America because funny from the beginning in. I still love trading places. Right. This is gonna be a close call anytime, but because coming to America is nonstop comedy from beginning to end and still manages to give you a compelling romantic story it's got to be the winner of my book
0: okay that sounds good I love both movies like you said I don't know how much more we can say I I laugh out loud when I watch both of these movies if you haven't seen one of these movies
1: yeah you need to correct that well yeah you probably should have not listened to this <laughs> episode yeah, <really. laughs> this episode makes absolutely no sense to you um, uh, Oh, spoiler alert the last uh, our has been a spoiler For both movies Yeah
0: exactly
1: <laughs> Sorry about that So thank you everybody f- For hearing us all out On this crazy All over the place Kind <laughs> of episode If you've got An opinion that's Different than ours On this one I mean I don't know how Because Jason's got one And I got the other Yeah But uh, yeah come Tell us what your opinions are We'd love to hear from you Look us up on
0: social media Twitter, at Shirley Podcast, Facebook on Shirley Podcast. Yeah, Let's hear from
1: you. Yeah, we, we, you can check out some of uh, the videos that we've done on our YouTube channel, the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast channel. And please, tell your friends and acquaintances about this show. If you can let people know about it, it helps us out so much. We really appreciate it. All of the listeners and everything that you've done for us can't be more thankful.
0: If you do enjoy the show, we'd sure appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.
1: Yeah. That would really help us out. Sure. And that would get us exposed to more people. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you don't miss any of the episodes as they come
0: out. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next week.
1: Hugh Hefner on high. I'm so inappropriate. All music images and movie clips are used for the purposes of commentary and education in conjunction with the Fair Use Agreement under the U.S. copyright law.